And welcome into the first ever episode of the Notorious B1G podcast. I'm your host, Alan True, and that was not the Notorious B.I.G. that you heard there. That was The Legal Immigrants, a local band from my hometown of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Don't quite have the money to pay for the rights for Biggie just yet, so I ripped off a local band, but they're a great band. And we're going to be here every week, so glad that you could join us for this first episode. As Chris Berman said on the first episode of NFL Primetime, let's hope we make this a habit. Uh, before I go any further, I'd like to bring in my partner in crime on this very podcast, Mr. Steve Wiltfong from 24-7 Sports. Alan, how you doing, man? Excited to be doing this show with you. And, and what an exciting time to talk Big Ten recruiting with all the buzz the conference is creating on the trail from Urban Meyer to Jim Harbaugh to James Franklin. But we also now have DJ Durkin, PJ Fleck, Purdue giving a damn about recruiting. So we're going to have plenty to talk about the rest of the summer into the fall. Absolutely. We're going to talk about uh, the conference every week, and it is Big Ten focused, but we will get into some other conferences. We'll get into uh, general recruiting as well. But before we go any further, some background. Steve and I initially worked together at Scout when he was part uh, of Irish Eyes. We were competitors for a bit when he went off to 24-7, and now we're brought back into the same family again. Yeah, beginning my eighth year at 24-7 Sports, I'm now the director of recruiting live in Indianapolis, so in the heart of Big Ten country and excited to be under the same umbrella as you, Alan, and, and many of your colleagues at Scout 24-7 Sports being purchased by CBS a couple years ago, now Scout purchased by CBS. So companies merging together and, and users of the site are going to be able to benefit from all our insiders' news in, in one place. And not only that, but we're both uh, in the same situation family-wise. We both have toddlers and newborns. So before we get into the football stuff, how are things going with the family over there? We're good, man. Got a three-year-old that's getting potty trained and also hitting uh, live pitching. And then got an eight-week-old that's uh, sleeping at five-hour stretches already. So we're good. How about you? Same deal. But if you guys hear any crying in the background during the show, just know that we both have young kids in the house. So maybe this podcast will be a good excuse to shut ourselves away for a little bit. But uh, hey, let's get right into it, Steve. There's a lot of news in the conference, and there's no better place to start than Penn State, who has been extremely hot on the recruiting trail. Uh, they've gotten a couple of commitments recently. What are your thoughts on their class and some of these recent additions? Well, Penn State's sitting at number three in the 24-7 sports recruiting rankings. That's number two in the Big Ten behind Ohio State right now. Five-star receiver Justin Shorter is the jewel of the class, our number one ranked receiver in America. Penn State, their skill players right now going to the fall. I think they go toe-to-toe -to -toe with any program in America led by Saquon Barkley. And I don't see that changing with the class that Penn State's bringing in this cycle. Justin Shorter, Daniel George, a top 247 receiver, committed over the weekend. Those two are just big, fantastic athletes. Uh, with speed and quickness and, and, and that combination could be electric in Happy Valley. Penn State landed one of the hardest hitting safeties in the country in Ashim Young over the weekend. They also landed uh, a talented defensive lineman and Judge Culpepper out of Tampa Plant, son of uh, a former NFL player Brad Culpepper. I think he can give them a presence across the line of scrimmage. And quarterback Will Levis. Uh, Penn State wants an athlete at the quarterback position and offensive coordinator Moorhead's offense, and Will Levis checks the box there. Ran 4.65 according to Lions 247 in 
insider Sean Fitz in camp, Penn State offered, and, and Levis committed on the spot. And Levis is a guy, Alan, that camped at Iowa, got an offer, camped at North Carolina, got an offer, camped down at Florida State, got an offer. Obviously, Florida State's in the field sweepstakes, but they wanted to secure their spot with Levis just in case they don't land fields, but Levis no longer in play. He's a Nittany Lion. Well, that's a great segue because Justin Fields was committed to Penn State. I think there was some concern there in the fan base. Obviously, when he goes elsewhere, what are we going to do at quarterback? Staff didn't panic. You know, They took their time. They uh, evaluated Levis at camp. I had a chance to see him at the opening regional in Cleveland, and he wasn't a big-time guy at that point yet, but he was a guy that we marked down. He was in our write-up, even though he didn't have uh, some of those offers that other guys in front of him had. Big, strong kid, six foot four, 222 pounds. Like he said, four six five at camp, so he can do a lot of different things at that position. I think he was considered a little bit more of a pocket guy, but after that, 40-time comes out, uh, and his high school coach says they're going to use him more as a runner this year. I think you can see he's a little bit more of a multiple kid fitting into the mold of what they're going to want to do there going forward. But certainly quarterback was a position of need for them, and they've now filled that. Levis is a guy that posted the highest Nike football rating of the quarterback position nationally. So his combination of speed, quickness, power, and, and jumping ability makes him the most athletic quarterback in the country. When when Fields decommitted, I talked to one Penn State source that, you know, they were disappointed Fields is gone. He's a terrific talent. He's our top-ranked player in the country at 24-7 sports. He's number two in the new scout uh, recruiting rankings. So he's a consensus top two guy. Uh, you know, they've been down this road before. Penn State lost a commitment from Brandon Wimbush a couple years ago who ended up signing with Notre Dame. He's going to be Notre Dame starter this year. And they land Tommy Stevens, who may be the best backup quarterback in the Big Ten. And I know he's given McSorley hell the last two spring balls in camp. So talking to, you know, one Penn, Penn State coach, when, when, when Fields decommitted, you know, you're disappointed you lose a talent like that. But at the same time, coach says we're, you know, we're effing Penn State. We're going to get someone else that's good. And, and I, they believe that they did over the weekend. Well, James Franklin and his staff have always recruited really well, and you thought if they can string together some big wins, uh, they were going to be a juggernaut in recruiting. That's exactly what happened at the end of the last season, and they were able to carry that momentum over. Uh, I want to touch on Justin Shorter a little bit because you had a chance to see him at the opening finals, as did I, and both services moved him up to a five-star. He was outstanding that week, reminded me a little bit of former Penn State uh, player Allen Robinson, and Allen was a three-star guy who wasn't a big-time recruit, but he he developed into a top guy, and I see many of the same traits in him that we've seen in Justin Shorter. And hopefully, we get this one right this time around. Sure, Shorter, six foot four. He ran four five in the forty yard dash at the Jersey Nike. Uh, talking to my colleague Barton Simmons, who's our director of scouting. Uh, we had thought that Shorter would have a chance to earn that fifth star in Oregon, and, and, and obviously he did. The thing that separates him from his peers and, and talking to the receivers coaches at the opening as well is just his downfield push, his ability to separate and be, you know, arguably the top deep threat in, in this in this talented, very loaded receiver class separates him. But he in, at the opening, he was doing damage in a variety of ways, going over the middle, uh, winning one-on-one. Certainly special, but you know, speaking of the opening, Alan, the most special specimen walking around out there was Saquon Barkley. Have you ever seen a running back? There were plenty of NFL guys walking around Nike World headquarters that week, and Saquon Barkley, I've never seen his legs, absolute thoroughbred 
horse racing type legs and you've seen the the videos on twitter of him doing power cleans and squats and then you see him in person you're like well no kidding he can push that much weight i he's arguably the top running back in the country and i remember talking to uh, ohio state running back coach tony alford after penn state uh, after ohio state beat penn state two years ago inside the shoe you know ezekiel elliott's still running strong for the buckeyes tony alford saying hey that guy over on the other side he's pretty damn good as well yeah, I mean, I, like he said, I haven't seen many guys built like that. I've seen the Twitter videos, and it's funny you mention Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, I think there's a, a little bit of a resurgence in that position. The position had started to slide down draft boards a little bit for a couple of years. People were saying that that position wasn't going to be valued as much going forward. I think Ezekiel Elliott single-handedly changed that. You saw Leonard Fournette go higher in the draft this year. I think Saquon Barkley is going to go somewhere around where those guys went if everything goes as we think it will this year. So uh, those guys are bringing the position back a little bit. And before we move on from Justin Shorter, uh, you mentioned the Trevor Lawrence-Justin Fields argument. You guys uh, swapped them. We ended up keeping Lawrence one Fields two. And actually, one of the things that was brought up was that Fields had Justin Shorter to throw to during the opening. So we were talking about their supporting cast and how hard it was to gauge during that 7-on-7 event. And and Justin Shorter was, I thought, a huge reason Fields was as successful as he was. Not that Justin didn't have a great week otherwise, but certainly helped to be thrown to that guy. Sure. I was in the mold uh, arguing uh, at the table at 24-7 Sports for us to keep Lawrence number one. But I certainly understand why we moved Fields to number one. And and you brought up Justin Shorter. He also had Cameron Babb on his team, who's uh, who's in five-star position on 24-7 Sports. We're going to finish with 32 five-stars come signing day and Babs in at like number 14 right now. So he's terrific. He's a huge Ohio State lean in my mind. But he had, he had Babb. He had Josh Van, a nice slot receiver out of Georgia, Blue Smith. He had an array of weapons. He had Ricky Slade, who's the running back commit, number one all-purpose running back for the 24-7 sports composite. Uh, So he had a lot of weapons, but he scored on 79% of his possessions. The other quarterback on his team, Cayman Cooper, uh, was under 30%. So you still had to tip the cap to fields. But but I was in the the, uh, mode of, you know, Let's see what Fields can do on the field as a senior. But but Fields had a terrific junior year and really turned around a program that was very mediocre at best before he before he was under center. And, and that's when before Fields took over, Lorenzo Nunez was their quarterback. He signed with South Carolina. South Carolina moved him to receiver, but they had a division one guy under center and were mediocre. Fields had him winning double digit ball games last year. So I see both sides. I just think Trevor Lawrence's body of work for three years, uh, won two state championships. Um, I just would have liked to see us take it into the fall, but I'm not mad that we made the move as well with Fields number one. I certainly get it after he's had as good a summer camp season that I've ever seen from a quarterback doing this job for over 10 years. And that's, those are all the same things we brought up as well. And uh, one additional guy that Fields had on his team was tight end Luke Ford, who we're going to get into Thank in you. a little bit yeah. here. But that's a good segue into another recent commitment and another guy that moved up boards a lot. That's Jeremy Ruckert, uh, tight end out of New Jersey, who we moved to number 16 overall in the country. He's our number one tight end, a five-star guy, and he committed to Ohio State this week. Not a huge surprise if you've been following that one closely, but the Buckeyes able to add another top guy to an already very strong class. Yeah, Jeremy Ruckert, he's been our top tight end for quite a while now. Uh, just above uh, 
Penn State's tight end commit, Zach Kuntz, who's also a terrific athlete with outstanding length, uh, be, be able to come in and replace Jasicki, in my opinion, and keep Penn State rolling at that position. But back to the Buckeyes and Rucker, uh, at the opening finals, you got 150-plus of the best athletes in America out there in, in Oregon. And on that very first day, a seven-on-seven play, there wasn't a more dominant player than Jeremy Rucker. And that goes with Justin Shorter and all the outstanding receivers on the field. I mean, he's just a terrific player, Alan. He's a guy that can make things happen after the catch. He's a guy that can make the tough catch in traffic. And he's also shown that he loves playing attached and, and he'll he'll do the dirty work at the point of attack. And then you just you just feel even better about ranking him number one when he's going to go play within a Kevin Wilson offense. And Jeremy, one of the interesting things he said to me when he was about his decision to commit to Ohio State, there was negative recruiting against Ohio State in the lack of use at the tight end position. And make no mistake, negative recruiting is recruiting. So I'm not down on negative recruiting. That's just recruiting. But Jeremy's point was, look, they didn't throw to their tight ends because maybe those weren't the 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 guys that were going to make things happen within their offense. But coaches are going to get the ball to their playmakers, and if I'm a playmaker, I'm going to get a lot of touches. And I expect Rucker to be instant impact in Columbus. Yeah, Urban Meyer is obviously – he's a smart guy. He's a great coach. He's proven that. And if he's got a weapon, no matter where that guy plays or who he is, I think he's going to use him. So uh, this is a good time for me to, I think, apologize to our East Coast analyst, Brian Doan. Brian wanted to make Jeremy the number one tight end in the country, and all of us from the other regions gave him a little pushback because the last time he wanted to move a tight end to number one, it was Chris Clark, and that one didn't turn out – quite as well so we wanted to hold off a little bit on Jeremy and then as soon as all of us saw him at the opening finals we went okay Brian you win this one so it was that obvious uh, right away that he was a top guy uh, Ohio State not done yet though Steve they have their big Friday Night Lights event uh, coming up this weekend you're going to be there on the ground anything that you're looking for or expecting out of that event well I think the biggest thing is is five-star offensive tackle, the number one offensive tackle on in 24-7 sports rankings. You guys just gave him a five-star scout. Jackson Carmen, is he going to be inside the shoe or is he going to be at Clemson? Our Bucknuts insider, Bill Kierlich, reported uh, this morning, Thursday morning, the day, uh, just so people know what day this is when they listen to the podcast. This is the day that O.J. Simpson was paroled. So earlier this morning, uh, Bill Kierlich reported he thought Jackson would be inside the shoe. That's huge. I think we all expect Carmen to ultimately land at Ohio State, but Clemson is that program that he's definitely thinking strongly about. USC's awesome play. I expect him to take an official to see the Trojans after spending a few days in L.A. But getting him to come to Ohio State Friday Night Lights to be around Ohio State's commits. They got 15 of them right now. It's the number one class in 24-7 sports rankings. They're running away with average ranking per commit, too. 11 of these guys are in the top 100 of the 24-7 sports composite rating. So to get Carmen around those guys and continuing to feel good about Ohio State. And, you know, he, he's, he told me at the opening, Urban Meyer and, and, and his staff are recruiting him harder than anybody. Uh, Coach Meyer, on down to Mark Pantone. There's such an emphasis on recruiting uh, in Columbus. I mean, when Jeremy Ruckert called Urban to commit, Coach Meyer and his wife were on their way out to their anniversary dinner. They, he's not missing that call, though. Jeremy Ruckert, incoming call. They take it, put him on speakerphone. Ruckert's on speaker with his family. He commits to the Buckeyes. Coach Meyer, Shelly Meyer, they're ecstatic. And, and Urban Meyer even told Jeremy that's the best anniversary present he got this year. So, 
uh, it's going to be an exciting event. You've been there before. I don't think there's a college camp environment like it, although Nebraska put on a hell of a camp uh, earlier this this summer, their their version of Friday Night Lights. But Ohio State, inside the shoe, there's going to be a bunch of, bunch of Buckeyes fans. The Jumbotron's going to be rolling. There's going to be all kinds of former Ohio State great players on the field. The coaching staff's going to be very engaging. It's going to be a crisp and competitive camp. There's going to be all kinds of uh, touted recruits on the field committing, but the storyline start with Jackson Carmen is five-star defensive end. Michael Parsons going to be there. Jason Oweza, a top targeted defensive end as they battle uh, Notre Dame and Penn state for him. He was just at Penn state's last bash visiting Notre Dame today. And then uh, uh, you got blue Smith who was at Kentucky last weekend coming back to Ohio state. Ohio State typically wins these battles with Kentucky for in-state Ohio kids, but Kentucky, uh, they're they're very much at the top for Blue Smith. So those are some of the bigger storylines in 2018. Ohio State may land a couple 2019 commits this weekend as well. Anything you're looking for, Alan? Yeah, well, first of all, uh, when I've been there the last couple of years, the amount of fans that show up, that was really surprising to me because I've been to some camps with some great atmospheres. I've never seen one that has, at least around here, that has as many fans just show up and watch as that one. So always a cool event. And, uh, like you said, we're looking closely at some 2019 guys, uh, Doug Nestor out of West Virginia, big time guy. He's a guy, our bill green, uh, it says is on high commit alert. No question. Put my crystal ball in there too. Zeke Carell, an offensive lineman from in-state. He has an Ohio state offer. Devante Dobbs, uh, offensive lineman from Michigan. And he's going to bring down one of his teammates, Julian Barnett, and uh, speaking with people close to him, they're expecting if he does everything he's done at these other recent camps, he's going to get an Ohio State offer. He just picked up an offer from Alabama at their camp. And that would go a long way, I think, because him and Dobbs are extremely close. Those are two guys that Ohio State could land uh, if Barnett gets an offer this week. And I, I see no reason why he shouldn't unless he, you know, something goes wrong. But he's been great at these recent camps, showing that he can play cornerback at almost six foot two, 185 pounds. So I'm looking to see if he gets an offer, and I'm looking to see if any other 2019 guys decide to jump in the boat. Alan, I look forward to you starting to utilize this 24-7 sports crystal ball. I already have the Buckeyes for Dobbs. Uh, Mine's on Notre Dame for Barnett right now, but as soon as the Buckeyes pull the trigger, I'll swing over to Ohio State there as well, just because you know Ohio State's going to do such a tremendous job recruiting him. And and, and like you said, all the buzz is that that's an opportunity that he truly wants. So, uh, yeah, I think Julian Barnett's going to leave, leave campus with an offer and there's going to be plenty of 2018s on trial there, too, that if Ohio State doesn't end up extending them a scholarship, they're going to be playing against them in the shoe. Uh, guys like Julius Brent out of Indianapolis, who right now I have going to Iowa. Same with uh, four-star cornerback DJ Johnson. Those are two guys that probably end up Hawkeyes unless they're able to open up Kerry Combs and, and Urban Meyer's eyes uh, on Friday night and, and earn that OSU scholarship. Yeah, so I am looking forward to having a crystal ball as well. Uh, some of my gimmies have already committed before I've had a chance to put them in, but looking forward to that and, and also going to be looking closely at Chris Oates, linebacker from in-state. He's going to be up there. Jornel Manns, a Minnesota commit. He's decided recently that he's going to go work out in front of Ohio State. So like you said, there may be some kids there that they end up playing against, and that's what we see every year. 
out of that event. Uh, turning the page over now and, and heading up to the Buckeyes, big rival Michigan. Uh, the Wolverines have their barbecue coming up next weekend, but they're going to get things started off a little bit earlier this weekend as they host tight end Luke Ford, six foot six, four star guy on, on both sites. Uh, out of Carterville, Illinois. And this is an important visit for Michigan because he's been to some other schools, visited Alabama, said that they were his leader, visited Texas recently. They really made an impression. But I think Michigan has just as good of a chance as any of those schools uh, as at making an impression, especially now that they get him on campus for the first time. He's had good talks with Jim Harbaugh and the staff already. They are obviously a tight end friendly school. So this is an extremely important visit for Michigan's chances with Luke. Yeah, six foot six, two hundred forty-eight pounds out of Carterville, Illinois, the top-ranked player in Illinois, number three tight end in America per twenty-four-seven Sports and Scout. Uh, I I just think knowing what I know about Luke and knowing what I know about his family, he's going to really hit it off in Ann Arbor with that staff. And the crystal ball is on Alabama right now for the most part, and it should be. Uh, Georgia also very much in play. But I really think that the dynamic of this recruitment can change in Ann Arbor over the weekend because, like you said, there's such a premium on, on the tight end usage. And I just really think Luke's going to fit in and, and really, really enjoy it. Uh, he's an ultimate football competitor type guy, and his personality is going to fit in with the Michigan staff. And, and, and similar, uh, he's going to come away very impressed. So is his family. Well, I've been asked recently by Michigan fans about Luke and if Michigan got in too late, if other of these schools have an, an advantage. And I compared him a lot, this at least in his recruiting situation, to another Midwestern guy, Cameron McGrone, out of your neck of the woods in Lawrence Central, where you know he had an offer from Notre Dame, had an offer from Wisconsin, had visited both of those schools. Was Both of those schools were looking like the two front runners for him. Michigan offered him after uh, both of those two schools had established good relationships. They got him on campus, and now not only are they in the game, they're looking like one of the favorites to land Cameron McGrone. So similarly to Luke Ford, if you can get him on campus, uh, you got a chance. Michigan's as good as any school in America of hosting a visit and making a kid feel super comfortable. Uh, and that's, you know, some schools are better at that than others, and Michigan's elite at that. They really do a fantastic job at connecting with kids and expressing to them and their guardians why Michigan is a place where a young man can maximize his success on and off the field. Cameron McGrone is a guy that has been ranked in the top 247 for a long time in the Scout 300 uh, for a long time. I know you and I both got uh, our first real good look at him at the best of the Midwest Combine two years ago where he won MVP here in, in Indianapolis. And He's been looking to play on the big stage, but he's also a high academic kid. I think before Notre Dame and Michigan offered, I actually thought he was going to end up at Tennessee. But now the crystal ball is pretty much all Michigan, including my pick. He's going to the barbecue in two weeks. I know Cam has talked about wanting to take official visits, but I wouldn't be surprised if he shut it down. Michigan linebacker is not a big need for the Wolverines this cycle. They're only looking to take a difference maker. Dallas Gantt was their original target. He obviously picked Ohio State. They settled in on Cameron McGrone. He comes up, has a fantastic visit with his family. He immediately sets another visit. Michigan's done such a terrific job recruiting Indianapolis from Brandon Peters, who I think is ultimately going to be a star under center. Chris Evans, who's going to be maybe their best player on offense this year. And then Emile Keir, the offensive lineman, uh, one of the top interior guys in the country, who I actually saw in his team scrimmage yesterday, looked very athletic and moved well. 
uh, and was terrific at the opening. And, and, and those guys, uh, Emil especially, are in, in Cameron McGrone's ear. I don't think he shut the door on Notre Dame. This isn't just a slam dunk to Michigan, but I think Michigan's got a commanding lead, could close it on the next visit. And Notre Dame, I think at this point, they're hopeful they can get them through that visit and get them on campus in August or get them back to a game because right now Michigan has the momentum. Yeah, he said, Cam said at the opening that he's spoken to Chris Evans and uh, had a chance to spend some time with him when he went up to Ann Arbor. And he was asked if Chris is selling him on Michigan. And really, Chris doesn't have to do any selling. Life is good for Chris Evans right now. So he's just talking to him about his experience, his chance to play early, uh, and all of the great things that have happened for him in the last couple of years. So uh, I think Chris is, is a huge part of this recruitment. Uh, you mentioned Emil Eckier, definitely a, a big part of this as well, as Michigan continues to build kind of an interesting pipeline into Indianapolis for them. So, And these guys are terrific athletes, Alan. I mean, Chris Evans, you look at the testing numbers that Michigan just posted. Uh, you know, he lit up the running back and, and just really the offensive testing numbers. Cam McGrone is one of the most athletic linebackers in the country. We have him ranked in our top 40. We've been putting a premium on athleticism at 24-7 sports. And he's a guy that even though linebackers not a need at Michigan, I think because he's so athletic, He's definitely going to make an impact from day one on special teams, and he's really going to push that room right away and maybe take somebody's job because he's bringing a skill set, and then he's obviously very intelligent, and then he's tough. He'll put he'll put a space mask on you. He's a guy that could come into any linebacker room and take somebody's job. Well, it's been really good to see him at some of these off-season events. See, I saw him at Irish Invasion, saw him at the opening finals, and he's a kid who came off a knee injury. And uh, he has shown that not only is his explosiveness back, I think he arguably looks more explosive than he was before the injury. He ran a 4.67 at the opening regional he went to way out on the West Coast. He had to do that one a little bit later, gave him a little bit more time. Uh, to be ready to go but not only does he look healthy he looks better than he did before the injury in my opinion yeah no absolutely in michigan recruiting right now we got the wolverines uh, they're in the top 20 10 commits going to be a smaller class uh, for the wolverines uh, really excited about what they got at offensive tackle uh, Jalen Mayfield's a kid in our top 100 from your neck of the woods up there in Grand Rapids, Allen. And then Ryan Hayes, is he going to play that Tyrone Wheatley ginormous tight end role? Is he going to grow into an offensive tackle? Uh, those are two guys that excite me. And I think Miles Sims and, and uh, Jamon Green have very unique traits in the secondary, guys that could really develop in the top of the NFL type uh, draft picks. We have Sims as a three-star at 24-7. I think we need to move his position to safety and give him a bump. And I really, the Gmon Green's as good a DB as I saw uh, out of Texas. He's another guy that I think uh, our industry is too low on. Yeah, you, you mentioned those guys all have length and, and body types that they're looking for, especially that offensive tackle position. Those are guys that Greg Fry has developed. He's new on staff this year. Those are guys that look a lot like the kids he's had success with when he was previously at Michigan and then over at Indiana. So I think he's going to do a great job with Mayfield and Hayes. A guy you didn't mention, Otis Reese, he's a missile. I think he really fits what Don Brown does on defense. And another guy uh, in this Georgia pipeline, Michigan's made huge waves in Georgia the last couple of cycles, and that's showing no signs of slowing down. So uh, Michigan continues to recruit nationally. I think they get a little bit of a hard time for that around the state of Michigan, but they've got several in-state guys in the class that you just talked about and Aiden Hutchinson as well. When Jim Harbaugh and his new staff came in and he hires a new strength coach, 
they they obviously inherited a talented locker room. I, I don't think anyone uh, would say Brady Hoke and his staff did a bad job recruiting, but I think that the toughness of the program wasn't where it needed to be. Had a little more athleticism and explosiveness, uh, short area quickness to this roster, and over the last several recruiting classes, they've been able to do that. And you know, we're certainly going to learn a lot about the 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 evaluating and development of coach Harbaugh and company here in year three, as they uh, run a pretty much a brand new defense out there led by Rashawn Gary, a talented, but unproven defense. Absolutely. And we're going to get a lot more into Michigan in next week's show with the barbecue looming. And then at some point we're going to preview the season as well and uh, get into each and every team. But we're going to now get into a feature that we're going to do every week called the big 10 buzz where we spin around to all the teams in the conference and, and talk a little bit about what, sh- what is going on at each school, starting with the Fighting Illini of Illinois. Have a Lovey Smith's really his first full cycle um, in recruiting was last year. He had a he had a chance to it was you know kind of shortened, but they did a good job at the end picking up some guys like Kendrick Green, who had a bunch of offers before he committed, had some offers come after. They keep him in the class. They've carried some of that momentum over. They have an athlete visiting soon in Tutu Atwell. They're going to have Luke Ford there uh, the following week, so they'll get they'll get an at bat after Michigan gets him on campus. And uh, you know, so far uh, they have a nine man class. Steve, what's your impression of how Lovey's done so far in his time at Illinois, and, and what do they need to do going forward? Well, I thought they had some good recruiting wins in the St. Louis area last year and some really good evaluation wins in St. Louis. And with how talented St. Louis is this year, you, you wish that that had carried over, but it, it, it really hasn't so far. For a place like Illinois, they're going to have to try and build their program back up in a similar way that Mark D'Antonio and Michigan State were so successful and really just out-evaluating guys. But then – doing so well with the evaluation, you still got to win those recruiting battles on the trail, right? So, you know, you look at a Shalit Calhoun, he was a three-star that should have been a high four-star, but he still had other power five opportunities and Michigan State had to go and win that battle, you know? And and so Illinois is going to need that combination of strong evaluating and and, and then being go-getters on the trail. And for me, Alan, the jury's still out there uh, with with, with Illinois. I think that it's a pro staff that's still kind of learning – what it takes to to get it done on the trail. They've had they've had some good wins and some good evaluation wins, but I think we need to see more. They're sitting at number thirteen in the Big Ten recruiting rankings right now on twenty four seven sports. Yeah, a couple guys stand out for me in this class. Uh, the two offensive linemen uh, from in state, Julian Pearl and Jordan Slaughter. I think both of those guys are, are going to be really good. Slaughter a little bit further along. Pearl's a little bit more of your project, but six foot seven, very athletic. Uh, so I'm interested to see what they do with those guys. Luke Butkus does a good job on the offensive line. Uh, like you said, still jury's still out. This is going to be uh, an important step for them this season, not only in recruiting but on the field. So that whole Big Ten West, I think, is wide open. You've got some new guys on the block with P.J. Fleck and Jeff Brom, and then you've got uh, some teams that are making some moves. Northwestern has continued to recruit really well. Nebraska's continue to recruit really well. And then you've got the, the models of consistency over there, uh, Wisconsin and Iowa. So I think the Big Ten West is going to be an extremely interesting half of the conference to watch over the next couple of years. No, absolutely. Moving on to the Hoosiers, Allen. Uh, nine commits right now. What do you like about this Hoosiers class? Well, you know, they're another team that I think has tried to emphasize in-state recruiting first, but they'll they'll go out and they'll go down to 
Florida and places like that and uh, pick up some guys. They'll go down to Georgia and pick up recruits. They, they had a good win uh, last month in defensive end Gavin McCabe out of Chicago. who He had a, a good number of Power 5 offers. The same with Nick Morosis out of Chicago Brother Rice and Matt Bjornson out of Hinsdale Central. All three of those guys had Power 5 offers. So they're, they're making some waves in Illinois. Tight end's a big need for Indiana in this class with new offensive quarter Mike DeBoard really wanting to feature that position in his offense. Uh, my, Indiana trending for a couple defensive ends out of Miami right now, and Randy Charlton and James Head looking really good for the Hoosiers to land him. I really like, uh, you know, Tom Allen was a good recruiter at Ole Miss, fiery guy, but a young a, a guy, a coach that also. Uh, is, is doing his part as the head coach recruiter at Indiana. Uh, I love where the Hoosiers stand with Reese Taylor, who I think is the favorite to win Mr. Football in the, in the state, Ben Davis's quarterback. But he's going to play in the secondary on the next level. Probably will have over 6,000 yards of total offense as a senior playing for one of Indiana's best football teams. I like where the Hoosiers stand there. He's got Iowa and Wisconsin offers. So Indiana, you, you know, I, I really think when you look at what they recruited last year, they upgraded speed on the roster. Uh, what Kevin Wilson has left him in that old regime, I think they have a football team that's got a chance this year if they figure out what they're going to do at Mike Backer. So uh, Indiana, they, they got a chance to really get some momentum this fall and carry it over onto the trail. And then moving over to the Iowa Hawkeyes, uh, they have a couple of targets who may be ready to decide soon in the Midwest. Defensive end John Wagoner from right there in the state of Iowa. Cornerback DJ Johnson from Indianapolis North Central. Both of those guys have uh, quite a few Power 5 offers as well. Wagoner has a long list of offers. Johnson also looking at uh, Notre Dame and a couple other schools. But Iowa looking good for both of those guys. Yeah, uh, John Wagner talked to some people around him. I think that Iowa's battling Oregon there. I think Oregon's very intriguing to John uh, and his family. But the, obviously the chance to, to play at Iowa, I believe both his parents went to Iowa. It's a pretty short drive for them to, to get over to see the Hawkeyes. And, and Iowa's had such success developing. the Iowa's strength program is second to none, and they've had such success developing players like John Wagner who – uh, I think he's got a chance to be an outstanding physical defensive end. Uh, my crystal ball is on Iowa there, but I'm not sleeping on Oregon. And for DJ Johnson, Iowa clearly leads. He's camping at Ohio State this weekend, like we talked about earlier in the show. He's returning to Iowa on the 30th. Told me that he has a decision date in mind of August 22nd. Iowa's just really done a terrific job of recruiting Indiana uh, in general. Uh, they have Tyrone Tracy uh, committed right now. I think they lead for Julius Brents. They're out in front on some 2019. So Kelvin Bell pounding the pavement in the Hoosier State. Austin Torres, their recent tight end commits from Mishawaka. Uh, he's obviously transferring down to uh, IMG Academy, but he's from the same high school that, that produced Madison, uh, Brian Madison, who played defensive end at Iowa. So doing a terrific job in the Hoosier State. They have nine or 11 commits right now, still in the, still looking for a quarterback. They got several guys that they continue to evaluate. They were hoping to get Will Levis, and they probably would have if Penn State hadn't offered. So we'll see what Iowa does at quarterback moving forward. Yeah, they've been known as a program that sometimes recruits guys under the radar, but I think in this class you see that they can go out and win recruiting battles against other Big Ten schools. They've done a great job in Wisconsin as well. Uh, how about getting a running back like Henry Giel 
who had offers from Michigan State and some other Big Ten schools. They go up and get Jack Plum. It's not often you see Wisconsin lose on a kid from their state that they've offered. Iowa was able to pick him up. He had quite a few other Power 5 Big Ten offers as well. They picked up Cody Ince, another offensive tackle. So three Wisconsin kids in the class for them. You touched on Tyrone Tracy out of Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, recently offered him. So Iowa's hanging on, uh, hanging on with him. And then they get Noah Shannon, a kid who was once committed to Minnesota. So for a school that sometimes I think gets the, a little bit of a, uh, the reputation of recruiting guys who may not be big-time recruits, I think they've won quite a few battles against other Big Ten schools in this class. Well, they do have a reputation of recruiting tough SOBs, and it translates on Saturdays. You know, you go back and watch that Iowa-Michigan game from last year where the Hawkeyes knocked off the Wolverines under the under the lights. There was no shortage of hitting in that ball game. And Again, Coach Doyle, uh, their strength coach, is, whose son is committed, and he's a terrific athlete. And looks like he's got a chance to really develop into a stud linebacker uh, at Iowa, probably under-recruited because I think everyone saw the signs uh, uh, of where he was going to go beforehand, but you know he's a they they recruit guys with upside, particularly in the trenches, and then they do a hell of a job of developing them. Absolutely, Jack Plum, guy that fits right into that six eight. Cody in six five. I think Coach Doyle is going to have a heck of a time putting some weight on those guys. I think he's going to have them looking different in a couple of years. But uh, moving on to a school, another school that uh, has done a great job on the recruiting trail the last two cycles, the Maryland Terrapins. DJ Durkin had a very highly ranked class last year. Looks like they're heading towards it again this year. Looking to finish in the top 25 for a second year in a row in the 24-7 sports rankings. I don't think that's happened for a long time. But, Alan, DJ Durkin's worked with Urban Meyer. He's worked with Jim Harbaugh. When he was an assistant coach, he was one of the best – recruiters in the country he understands what the head coach's role is in recruiting and understands that you know he's leading the charge and then has an expectation from the top down and so maryland they're they're really getting after it on the trail and they've really put an emphasis again and i say this and 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 listeners are probably going to roll their there's so many programs out there that do just a crap job of recruiting good athletes you know the film lies sometimes and they don't put much stock in athleticism. They're not out there looking for kids that are doing well in track and field or that have tested well. And I had one high-profile de- defensive coordinator say, well, that guy's a combine kid, that guy's a combine kid, and, and, and says that other people roll their eyes. Well, almost everyone in the NFL is a combine guy. There's nothing wrong with taking a combine guy, you know, as long as he's good at football too, right? So Maryland, they're taking guys that are plus athletes with length across the board They're really getting bigger at the point of attack. Love what they've done at linebacker in this class from a speed, size, and length standpoint. This class is at number three in the Big Ten rankings right now uh, for 24-7 sports, and and they're in on some some very good guys in the DMV. And and with DJ Durkin leading the charge and and being impressive, talking to high school coaches and talking to prospects and their peers, it's no surprise that, that Maryland's doing a good job. And the Big Ten East is in the argument as the best division in college football and with what Maryland's done on the trail in these two-plus years that Durkin's been there, they're going to be a thorn in the side of uh, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, how they beat Penn State at Penn State two years ago. Those wins aren't going to be coming by accident. Jalen Duncan's one of my favorite players in their class, six foot six, 
300 pounds. He's an offensive lineman that looks that's going out there looking like he's trying to hurt people. Uh, Noah Boykin, a cornerback, a four-star recruit on 24-7 sports. Uh, he was one of their top targets uh, in the secondary. And then again, love the linebackers led by Darrell Nushami. He's a guy that when you talk to people around the Maryland program, they think he's a guy that can go really high in the NFL draft on the road. Yeah, well, that DMV area, which is D.C., Maryland, Virginia, very important. Not a place that they've always necessarily been able to win because it's highly recruited. A lot of schools come in and out of there, but Durkin has done a great job of winning those battles. At least on scout right now, all of their top-ranked recruits in the class are from Maryland or Virginia or D.C. So you look at uh, defensive tackle Austin Fontaine, highest-ranked guy in the class on scout. He's from DeMatha Catholic, along with his teammate Evan Gregory, a four-star uh, offensive guard. And then you have Jalen Duncan, who you mentioned as an offensive tackle. That's three four-star guys right there from inside the state. So They've started to try to build that fence as much as they can. It's, they're always going to have to battle other schools coming into a highly talented area. But right now they're winning more battles than I can remember them winning in some time for their home state guys. Hell, uh, when Edzo was the coach, they couldn't really get a DeMatha guy. Now they're getting all the best DeMatha guys, and and really that's helping them land other guys from the community. Uh, obviously, uh, Coach Azar uh, has done a terrific job. Uh, recruiting the DMV. He was the former head coach at Friendship Academy, which was a powerhouse program in Washington, D.C. And then uh, last year's class, you know, they landed a bunch of playmakers on offense. Excuse me, Walt Bell, who's one of the big up-and-comer offensive coordinators in the country. He's getting a lot of cool toys to play with. Maryland's running back class last year really goes toe-to-toe with just about anybody. So there's a lot to be excited about for Maryland football, and, and you just hope that the fans rally around it and they're they're hitting the games early in the season and, and buying in. And how about a little bit of fresh news, Steve? Uh, Michigan State was the latest Big Ten school to pick up a commitment. Shortly before we started this podcast, they picked up defensive end Parks Gissinger uh, from Chaminade College Prep in West Hills, California. California, not necessarily a place Michigan State's been in a ton, but they got Emmanuel Flowers at the end of last year's class. They pick up Gissinger here. He just visited uh, the Spartans last week, had a great visit, and uh, said that that visit made a huge difference for him. But he has some ties initially to not necessarily the Midwest, but back out of this in this direction. His dad uh, was, is a Syracuse grad, so he's going to be coming back out here, and, and Michigan State adds another guy to their class. Yeah, his dad actually played with Coach Dave Warner. So I think that was the connection uh, with the Michigan State assistant coach. And, you know, Parks gets on campus, six foot four, 237 pounds, has some twitch. He's a two-way player in high school, also plays tight end. But, you know, talking to people around East Lansing, they view him as a defensive end for them. And obviously he's got some uh, pedigree to him. And, and so he, he joins a Michigan State class that, you know, doesn't have much sex appeal uh, from a star standpoint. But they've landed some interesting guys, Alan. I think the guy that immediately uh, comes to mind, in my opinion, that has a huge upside is Davian Williams out of Belleville. Uh, cornerback, 6'2", 185, ran 4'4", in camp in East Lansing. Also a terrific basketball player. Has that change of direction, quickness, coveted. He's the type of guy that just really makes you kick yourself in hindsight that you had him as a three-star. I think he's got some serious trait. Theo Day, their quarterback committee, he's a top 247 recruit for 24-7 sports. He was the best quarterback at Ohio State's Friday Night Lights last year. So we talked earlier in the show about how Ohio State's going to have plenty of players on camp uh, for 
for Friday Night Lights tomorrow that they're going to play against in the future. Theo Day was one of them last year. So those are a couple of the interesting guys. In my opinion, the Michigan State's class, number nine in the Big Ten right now. They're used to finishing in the top half. They're coming off a tough season. Who do you like so far for the Spartans, Alan? Well, I really like Davion Williams, and I and I like their other cornerback commit, Xavier Henderson. And to me, when Michigan State was Michigan State, uh, you had Darquez Denard, you had Trey Waynes. You could put those guys on an island, and they sent everybody else. And that aggressive style of defense really, I think, uh, made them what they were, and I think they want to get back to that. And you need two good guys that can play on an island, and, and if you're going to challenge them outside, you're going to have to go against six foot one, almost six foot two, Davian Williams with almost a 40 inch vertical, was a Division one basketball recruit, and you're going to have to go against six foot one, Xavier Henderson. So you've got two long, athletic outside corners there uh, that I think they can develop. The other thing that's made Michigan State Michigan State is that they're obviously they have to have that pro style offense with a quarterback that's made great decisions from Kirk Cousins to to um, uh, why am I struggling to the young man they had the last Connor, three Connor years Cook. Connor Cook yeah at Ohio yeah 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 so they had two pros under center we'll see what they get out of Lewerke, uh and and Terry Lewerke at times looked great in the spring game and at other times was throwing it to the defense but the defensive line. They've always had ass kickers up front. This recruiting class, do you think that the Slades or Demetri- do you think the Slades can be in that mold of being an ass kicker for them? You know, that's kind of, you know, you look at who they have right now, Demetrius Cooper, Mike Panashuk, Raquan Williams, Robert Bowers, Naquan Jones, guys like that. You know, those guys are coming to, to they're coming to battle. You know, the, and, and they have the size, length, and physicality to give hell to any team in the Big Ten. And Michigan State, they didn't have the year they wanted to have last year, but hell, they had Michigan on the ropes. They had Ohio State on the ropes. Uh, they kicked Notre Dame's ass. I mean, it, it, they still flashed that they were capable last year. So I think that they're going to have a bounce back year this year. But this class, do you see, can the Slades be the ass kicker at the point of attack, or are they going to? Uh, are the, is there a D lineman that you like that they're recruiting that gives them that chip that they've always had? Well, I, I think the Slade brothers, they play the game the way Michigan State has always played in the trenches. And, and, and you know, one of those guys may end up going over to the other side of the ball. Playing offensive line, I think uh, Ed Warner, he brings the type of mentality that they're used to having. And then you got a guy who you want to talk about ass kicker, Chase Klein out of Ohio, who they're recruiting oh, yeah. right now. His coach, uh, last night when I talked to him, he said, on the field, I don't have any nicer way to say this. He's a prick, but he's the nicest kid off the field. He's a great student. But uh, he said even before Chase started getting recruited, I would watch him and say, that's a Michigan State kind of player. And he just had a great visit to Michigan State. Uh, you mentioned earlier, earlier, I don't have a crystal ball just yet, but if I did, I would be putting one in for Michigan State for Chase Klein. And, and he says things may happen soon here. Yeah, uh, Chase Klein, I saw him at the Cleveland Nike, and he just plays the game at a different speed. He's just, he, he caught, you know, his coach said he's, he's just ferocious. I mean, he is just a ferocious guy. And uh, so, yeah, th- those are the type of guys the Spartans win with. You know, I, I'd like to see them, you know, land another ass kicker on the defensive line in this class. But so far, so good as far as landing Michigan State guys. Yeah, and Chase is, is big, six foot three and a half, uh, 222 pounds. Uh, his coach said he could play middle linebacker at the next level. He might end up being a defensive end. He said nobody, nobody recruiting him really cares. 
they want him on their team and they'll figure out where to go from there. So uh, turning the page now and heading up to Evanston, Illinois, uh, where the Northwestern Wildcats have 15 commits in their class, some really good players in this class. But before we get into specific players, Let's talk about those facilities, Steve. I had a chance to go up there before they even uh, had built things, and, and I saw where they were going to build it, and I said, wait a second, this is in the sand. This is going to be in the water. How are you going to get a foundation in here to, to build this great facility? And, and they've done it, and, and the early videos have come out, and people from other schools have said to me, and those are a game changer right there. So uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how things develop for them over the next couple of years, but there's no doubt they're doing some really, really impressive things there. Those facilities are off the charts right there on the water. I used to live in Chicago, best city in the world, met my wife there. Now we live in a more affordable, outstanding, bigger city in Indianapolis, but I still miss living in Chicago. Don't miss the winters, but it's just gorgeous right there on the lake where, where Northwestern's practicing. And then they have one of the more impressive head coaches in America, Pat Fitzgerald, who has been there forever, but still only like 41 years old. So uh, I still think, I, I think Pat Fitzgerald still, the arrow's still up on him as a head coach. And he's as hardworking head coach recruiter as there is just Northwestern's recruiting from a different pool. You know, they're, Outside of Stanford, I don't know if there's a harder program for a young man to get in. But then when a, when a player does sign that letter of intent, the support that an athlete gets at Northwestern is second to none. Uh, their graduation rate, their African-American graduation rate, they, they don't take a backseat to anybody in, in any of those things. And, 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 you know, the product on the field is you know, I think Northwestern's won 10 games. Uh, twice under Pat Fitzgerald, and then they did it also when he was a player. So, you know, he's been part of a lot of success there on and off the field. And I think they think they're going to have a good football team this year. They got an NFL guy under center in Clayton Thorson. And, and so I'm excited about the Wildcats. And in, inside this class, you know, they got they got some guys that were heavily recruited by other Power 5 programs. Uh, Devin O'Rourke's the jewel of the class and ranks in the top 247. But I look at a guy like Greg Newsom. Uh, who could play corner or safety on the next level uh, out of Chicago. He's transferred down to IMG Academy as well, but I think he's terrific. Yeah, I agree with you there. You mentioned Davion Williams earlier as a guy who scares you a little bit, having him in the three-star range. I look at Greg Newsom like that as a guy who, you know, if he does what he he needs to do at IMG Academy this year, that's a guy that's, that's close to the four-star range for us. He's a really high three-star they picked up a kid named Jeremiah McDonald out of Louisiana. He had offers from some schools down there as well as Vanderbilt and Virginia. Uh, he's a four-star guy on scout. You mentioned Devin O'Rourke, who's had an uh, outstanding career, but also an outstanding run of camps this offseason. Did really well at the Under Armour camp in Illinois. Uh, picked up a kid from my neck of the woods, Jason Whitaker, a quarterback. Uh, I was actually there at the game last year when Northwestern came to evaluate him. Very, very intelligent pro-style, smart kind of guy. Uh, not so different from a Clayton Thorson in, in his size. I don't know if he's quite the runner that Clayton is, but he's a much better athlete than I think he's given credit for, and a kid with all of the intangibles in the book. So I, I think he's a Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern kind of guy, and you look top to bottom at this class, and there's a lot of guys you can say that about. They've really done such a much better job recruiting the defensive line uh, under Pat Fitzgerald. When you look at who they brought, they brought in a top 100 kid uh, out of Texas last year, and, and Ernest uh, Jones, who's a guy that I think is going to make an instant impact. And, and I know they're excited about some other guys uh, out of Texas as well. But Pat Fitzgerald, he's just so impressive to me. If Notre Dame doesn't have the year that that they want to have 
this year and they end up making a change. I think that Notre Dame athletic director Jack Swarbrick just brings a, bl- a blank check up to Evanston and says, what does it take? I know you're at your alma mater. I know you've signed a 10-year extension or whatever it is, but uh, your skill set's perfect for Notre Dame. We'll start winning some of these recruiting battles that we've been losing to Stanford uh, w- with you, and, and, and I think you're the, the guy that can take us back to, to where Notre Dame's been. And Pat Fitzgerald has got that connection with Coach Eric Parsegian, who coached at Northwestern and then coached at Notre Dame. And I know those two are close. And, 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 and so, I don't know, maybe Notre Dame would be intriguing. It's only 90 minutes away. I'm not trying to piss Northwestern fans off in our first show. So I, I will move on. Alan, you, you, you skipped Minnesota. And I know you're going up to Minnesota next week uh, to, to watch their camp. Uh, your take on the Gophers right now, and, and we all knew P.J. Fleck and company uh, on down uh, through that staff. They would hit the hit the recruiting trail hard as hell, and they certainly have. Yeah, I missed that one. We tried to go alphabetical here, and first show, uh, I already got us out of order. But, you know, I think he's done the, the type of job we expected him to, which is a really, really good job on the recruiting trail. They finished last year's class strong, and I think there's a good mix here in this class of – um, doing what Minnesota has always done, which is evaluate some guys, find some guys under the radar, get some guys to camp, which I think they're going to do this coming weekend. Um, but there's also some guys that they had to, to beat out and win some battles on. Tyreek Henderson could have gone a lot of places. Elijah Teague could have gone a lot of places. Uh, Brennan Armstrong, quarterback out of Ohio, he had a, a, a good list of offers and got recruited early, too. So that was a guy they had to, to get in on. But then you look at some of the recent commits, a guy like Logan Richter from up there uh, in Parham, Minnesota, not a place a lot of people find recruits at. This kid is a really impressive athlete for being six foot four, 280 pounds. They uncover that guy, uh, get him on campus and get him committed. Rashad Bateman, a wide receiver out of Georgia, who I think has a chance to be really really good. He was a highly recruited basketball prospect, a little bit raw on the football side, but another guy that they've uncovered. Uh, Same thing with Eric Gibson out of Detroit, a a guy who didn't have any Power 5 offers when they offered. And then you look at the third receiver in that class, Jordan Elmans. They had to beat out Big Ten schools for him. So I think top to bottom, it's a really balanced class. Uh, A lot of variety there. You got 19 commits already. And in addition to the kids who are going to camp next week to try to earn an offer, they have quite a few guys coming in just to visit. Uh, There's a good crew from Georgia coming up. So it wouldn't surprise me if they add to this class uh, coming up soon here and it's starting to fill up already. Speaking of Georgia, Terrell Smith, cornerback, committed to them. He's the fastest player in Peach State. Uh, So this the one thing that goes underrated with PJ Fleck and, and obviously the juice that he brings to the recruiting trail is how good of a job that that staff does as about at evaluating. I mean, at Western Michigan, he orchestrated the biggest turnaround in, in Broncos history. Uh, they, they were awful in his first year. And then his last year, they're undefeated and playing in the cotton bowl uh, against Wisconsin. Uh, they gave, they gave Michigan state hell two years ago in East Lansing, that Michigan state team ended up playing in the, in the playoffs and, and, and they've beaten some big 10 teams under him when he was at Western. So Minnesota, it's been a while since they've won double digit football games. They've gotten to nine a few times here recently. Uh, he's taking over a, a program that the roster's not quite where they want it from their schematic standpoint, but it's not like he's taken over a, a program that was in the basement either. So I'm excited to see what, what they do with their personality influx into it. And then I need to correct myself. I call them Ernest Jones, but Ernest Brown 
is the uh, defensive lineman. That was the jewel of Northwestern's class. They also landed Trevor Kent, uh, who had an Oklahoma offer out of the state of Kansas. Uh, they enrolled early Sam Miller. So those are three defensive linemen that, uh, you know, raised the level uh, for Northwestern at the point of attack. But Back to back to Minnesota. PJ Fleck, he works as hard on the trail as any head coach in the country, and in Minnesota, you're seeing that uh, they're sitting at number 29 in the 24/7 Sports Composite rankings right now. So, top 30 class for Minnesota, and they're battling to try and get back into that top 25. Yeah, and a guy that could help them do that is uh, Nolan Edmonds, running back from down there in Georgia. He was committed to them once, decommitted. He's coming up for the barbecue, so they're going to look to try to get him back. Uh, Craig Williams, a speedster out of Texas, he's going to be up. This is a barbecue that's going to follow the camp next weekend. They have Charles Robinson uh, coming up from Illinois, a guy I know we're both high on as a pass catcher, big big outside kind of receiver that could play tight end at the next level as well. Uh, and then a guy I'm going to watch out closely for at camp is Grant Norton, six foot eight offensive tackle out of Missouri. He's a guy that I think could earn an offer with a good performance at camp. So uh, quite a few names, not only camping but visiting for the Golden Gophers next week. Um, and then moving over to Purdue, going down to Purdue, another new coach this year, uh, Jeff Brom. The Boilermakers have 14 commits in the class currently. They've 15. gone 15, 15, sorry, 15 commits in the class. Uh, several Kentucky kids, which is a state that they have just, you know, Jeff Brom and his staff have just recruited very well in. They're off to a, a much better start in this class already than you it could, could have said. It could only get better. Yeah. <laughs> it could only get better. I mean, I never saw such a lack of interest in recruiting in my time doing this than what I saw from the Boilermakers in the last regime. And it kind of sucks because I thought the last coaching staff actually had a staff full of pretty good football coaches. But college football is more than just being a pretty good football coach. And I thought Purdue was prepared for their games on Saturdays, but you get your 85 scholarships, and I didn't think they had enough Jims and Joes to bang for four quarters. Now you bring in a new staff, Coach Brom, all the way down. These guys are recruiting at a much higher level. 15 commits, the, and the train started rolling in June. So I think Purdue fans probably thought, oh, man, more of the same. We're not getting anybody. Now – they're hot. They have a quarterback out of Arizona, Jack Plummer, who's six foot five, two hundred and twelve pounds, with terrific upside to absolutely flourish in what will ultimately, eventually, no doubt, be a high power offense inside Ross Aid Stadium. He had other Power Five offers. So did offensive lineman Jimmy McKenna. Uh, Purdue's winning battles against their peers. When you look at what they were doing previously. Most of the guys they were getting only had one Power 5 offer. It was Purdue. You can outsmart people every once in a while, but you're not going to outsmart people with your whole roster. And then you look at the guys that Purdue's getting that maybe weren't as touted. These guys check the boxes athletically. A guy like Caden Smith out of Spencer County, he's as athletic as it comes in that state. He's terrific on the track. I really like this kid that they got uh, out of the state of Illinois. I thought was a, a really sneaky uh, under the radar get in, in Jalen Alexander, a hard hitting linebacker out of Hoffman estate. So uh, I, I just, from what it was to what it is now, and, and you know that coach Brahms going to get that offense rolling. Uh, it, it's actually exciting at Purdue and they should have a lot to sell. And there was actually a debate. What would be a better job for, for coach Fleck, Minnesota or Purdue. And obviously Purdue hired coach Brahm over coach Fleck. Uh, I don't even know if Coach Fleck was interested, um, but, uh, you know, I think Purdue's the better job because more prospects can drive there. 
And I've been inside Ross-Aid Stadium where it's been a sellout. And you're hearing the train go. And, and you got the breakfast club in the morning. And it's fun to be at Purdue when Purdue football is good. And I really think that this staff, they have a chance to, to really get it buzzing again and kind of be in that mold where Minnesota's at now, winning nine ball games, approaching 10. I, I think Purdue can get back to that point under this regime and, and really not to steal Indiana's word because – Coach Tom Allen, they're trying to have a breakthrough in Bloomington. I think Purdue can have a breakthrough with this staff. And uh, I know it's a community that cares about football. And, and, and so they can get back to that point right now. Yeah, very cool town there. I actually spent um, spent a Halloween there not too long ago. Went to the Triple uh, X Family Restaurant. It's kind of a funny name, but great burgers there. So if any recruits are listening to this, if you visit Purdue, uh, head over there and try a burger. When you said you like the guy in the class out of Illinois, I thought you were going to say Byron Perkins, cornerback out of Chicago, De La Salle. I really like him too. Six foot two kid, great length. Uh, saw him at Irish Invasion, saw him at the United Stars camp, saw him last year at some camps. You don't see a lot of corners with his size, so I think he's a guy that they can develop. Really like the offensive line class. You touched on Jimmy McKenna, but they also got Will Bramel and uh, Charles Allen, two guys out of the state of Kentucky who I think are going to be really good players for them. They got a kid out of Ohio named Eric Miller who has a big frame athletic kid. I think he's another guy that they can develop. Then they got a tight end. It'll be interesting to see how much they end up using the tight end in this office. But Jack Kravak out of Ohio, another guy that had uh, quite a few Power 5 offers. So uh, like we both just said, Purdue off to a much better start in this recruiting cycle than they had the last couple of years. So plenty of reason to be excited in West Lafayette and plenty to be excited about up in New Jersey as Rutgers uh, has done a good job on the trail recently. They picked up a commit from wide receiver Paul Woods. Steve, have you had a chance to see him anywhere? Yeah, I saw him at Ohio State Friday Night Lights two years ago. I've seen him on the Nike circuit, six foot one, 165 pounds. He's a guy that has flashed in settings where there's been more touted receivers. So good get for Rutgers. I think the thing that really stands out to me uh, at Rutgers, and you knew it would, because similar to DJ Dirk and Chris Ash has been a, a really talented recruiter that's worked for great head coach recruiters. So he knows what needs to be done. And, and last year, last year, Rutgers, uh, the 2017 class that they signed, you know, they had some top two, four, seven recruits and, and uh, some four stars and really did well in state. And, you know, again, they're, they're getting the heart of their class from the New Jersey and New York era and talking to high school coaches from those areas. I think that they feel like Chris Ash and their staff care. Like the door is always open, but not only that, they came out and saw the high school coaches and it's and it pit stop. They'll sit in the office and watch film and talk ball and chalk talk X and O it on the board with these high school coaches. So they're really going the extra mile uh, to show that they, they give a damn about the, the local talent pool. And, you know, we've saw Rutgers win under coach Shiano, you know, you can win there. And, and really they, they, they had some really good seasons under Coach Flood. So it's a place where you can be successful on the field. And, and, and so Coach Ash, Coach Ash could have went to Syracuse. Uh, he's a guy that interviewed for the Syracuse job. He wanted to be at a place like Rutgers. And, uh, you know, he took over a roster that last year just didn't have it. And, uh, um, you know, hopefully he can get it back to where Coach Ciano had it from a collecting talent standpoint and then winning ballgames. Yeah, they have a four-star commit in the class right now. And Zaheer Lacewell, outside linebacker from New York. 
so they, they do have one scout 300 guy. They have several guys coming in to visit this weekend. The biggest of the bunch being Tyler Friday, a defensive end from Don Bosco prep. He's a top 100 guy on scout. So uh, a big, a big prospect for them to have on campus. They have a couple other in-state guys, and then they have an offensive tackle from Georgia coming up named Nick Fullwider, six foot seven kid uh, who might play defensive end as well, depending yeah, on where you look. I've seen him. He's, he's got a great frame and a good body, and they landed this quarterback out of California in Jalen Chapman, Harbor City, Narbonne. He's, he's not very big, but he threw for darn near 4,000 yards and 52 touchdowns as a junior. So Hellify production ran for almost 700 more yards. So he's a guy that you know, he's an interesting, one of those interesting quarterback gets out of California where every year in California, you got in Texas, you got your top of the board quarterbacks, but it just seems like those second tier guys, pop up in college from California and, and really have terrific careers. So uh, Jalen Chapman's a guy that I already have mentally pegged as maybe he's that second tier California guy that, that goes to Rutgers and, and really flourishes. Yeah. And they have some good underclassmen visiting this weekend as well. Caden Wallace, a four-star guy out of the Hun school in New Jersey. He's going to be visiting uh, our site. Scarlet report as the full list of visitors coming this weekend. It's a long, impressive list. So Big weekend in Rutgers. Uh, and Steve, I know you were out at uh, a couple of schools yesterday and you had a chance to see a Wisconsin commit that maybe people don't know a whole lot of, about. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Avon Speedster over there? Yeah, Isaac Guerrendo. He's a guy that uh, he is the premier track athlete in the state of Indiana. And this is no slouch state uh, where we've had Olympians in the sprints distance and and in the throws and and Isaac is a guy that will do both in Madison uh, the state champ in the long jump up uh, all state in four events finished third in the hundred uh, finished second in the 200 he was just off the state record in, in the long jump and, and I saw him run 4-4 at Irish Invasion at, at Notre Dame's camp you know he only caught 19 passes as a junior he's really raw but he it had six touchdowns and averaged over 31 uh, yards of reception uh, already starting to look better, you know, really, you know, ran has more on the route tree that I saw in yesterday's scrimmage than, than what you saw from him from the year before. So that's just one of those guys, Wisconsin had him in camp. You know, he's certainly got a ton of upside, uh, probably more of a slot guy, but with that speed and as he learns the offense, you can, you can move them all over. Uh, you know, he, he's a guy that's, uh, got unique upside in that that Wisconsin class yeah I think you, when you look at the rest of the class the wide receivers stand out and you have the ability to develop a guy like Garendo because you have some more polished receivers coming in Taj Mustafa and AJ Abbott from the state of Michigan Aaron Cruikshank from New York uh, those are three guys who who I think can can play early. Uh, Taj is gonna Taj and AJ both play for a former Division One and NFL wide receiver in Ron Bellamy. So those guys are gonna come in with some polish. Uh, they're good sized kids who are gonna be ready to compete. And it gives you a chance to develop a guy like Garendo, who I think can return kicks early on. Then can do a lot of different things on the field. So I, I think when you look at and why they take four receivers, I think the four of them are different enough that they can actually uh, do some different things with those guys and they're going to complement each other's strengths and weaknesses extremely well. We ranked this Wisconsin class number 21 nationally, fifth in the Big Ten on 24-7 sports. The jewel is Jack Sanborn, six foot two, 210-pound tone setter at the linebacker position out of Lake Zurich. So he's a guy that, that certainly flashes to me. And then 
you can't go to a camp and not notice big Isaiah Mullins, six foot five, 280 pounds, glasses, rec specs, whatever he's wearing. He's first off the bus in the state of Ohio. He's the type of guy that we've seen Wisconsin develop many times over and, and just gotten a ton of mileage out of on the point of attack. So I'm really intrigued by Isaiah Mullins. And then Jalen Franklin was a big recruiting win. I actually thought at one point he was signed, sealed, and delivered to Northwestern. Then he takes that visit to Wisconsin afterwards. He's six foot four, 200 pounds, plays a ton of positions at Rockwood, Oscar Carlson. Wisconsin recruited him as a tight end, and they've had tremendous success at the position. So, uh, no reason, or so it's obvious why he, he, he committed to Wisconsin. But I love him in the front seven on defense as a backer. And, and certainly, if it doesn't work out for him on offense, he's a guy that uh, could flip over and be that next great Wisconsin linebacker. Yeah, we have Wisconsin as at number four in the Big Ten right now and number 17 in the country. So another great class for them. And piggybacking off of Jalen Franklin, they've done a great job in the state of Michigan. And it started at the end of last year's class with them getting Scotty Nelson, a kid who could have gone to several other Big Ten schools. They win the battle for Jalen Franklin. They get Reggie Pearson very early on in this class. They get Michael Furtney, a kid who had, I think, a well over 30 offers by the time he committed to them. Had an offer from Michigan State. Uh, as did Franklin, so they win those battles. We mentioned Mustafa and Abbott. Those are two guys that had Big Ten offers. Michigan State had offered. Iowa had offered. Purdue had offered those guys. So interesting that uh, the Badgers are starting to build this pipeline into the state of Michigan, and I think those guys uh, are not only recruiting wins, I think they're all outstanding players as well. Alan, we're wrapping up our and uh, we're going to go right into these final thoughts, and, and I know we have you know, we wanted to talk about early quarterback offers, but Big Ten Media Days next week, and, and the media is going to put out a, a poll of who's going to win each side and play for the Big Ten Championship. But who do you have playing coming down to Indianapolis and, and playing inside Lucas Oil Stadium next year? You know, I'm not deviating too far from uh, the middle of the road here, but I think Ohio State uh, is my favorite to represent it again. I think having JT Barrett back, going to be experienced. Uh, it's all going to come down to how they replace a lot of those losses on defense. But I think that, um, you know, you're replacing those guys with star recruits. So chances are they're going to be pretty good still. You have some returners in the front seven that I think are going to help the young secondary. So uh, until they get knocked off their perch, it's hard for me to go against Ohio State. On the other side, again, I'm going to go with the Wisconsin Badgers. I, I think those are the easy picks right now until we get into fall camp and sort of see how some of these positional battles develop at other schools. Um, Northwestern would be a dark horse for me. Uh, I just mentioned experience at quarterback. You get Clayton Thorson back. You get Justin Jackson back. You get some guys back on defense. Godwin Igwebike, uh, an outstanding player on defense. So uh, I could see that turning into a battle there. I need to see how Iowa's quarterback situation plays out, how Nate Stanley, who was a four-star guy out of college or out of high school, develops if indeed he wins the job. So for right now, I'm going to go with the safe picks of Ohio State and Wisconsin. Penn State knocked Ohio State off their perch last year, brother. And I'm not saying they will this year, but the thing I'm really looking at is how does Penn State handle success now as a program? You know Ohio State's culture is ingrained. They're going to be right back in the, in the mix. But this is the first time the players in Penn State's locker room tasted the kind of success that they tasted last year. And let's see how they 
how they respond to that. You know, do they do they feel like they've accomplished something, winning the Big Ten title game and then losing in the Rose Bowl, or do they want more? And, and so I think they have the roster uh, to certainly win it again, but I'm with you. I'm going to go with Ohio State. I, I think from top to bottom they have the – the best football team in the big 10. And then uh, I, I, you know, I've been going back and forth on Wisconsin and I actually really think Nebraska has got a chance to be sneaky good this year. And certainly Northwestern, like you said, their backfield, Clayton Thorson and, and Justin Jackson, who's going to have a fourth straight year of rushing over a thousand yards. Uh, they're certainly intriguing as well. I'm pretty happy with what happened here, uh, and we're going to continue to do this. And it's not going to be just us every week. We're going to line up some guests from coaches to recruits to, to anybody else that we want to talk to. So looking forward to making this a regular thing and continuing to make it better and better every week. Yeah, appreciate it, Alan. We're going to try and lock in a, a day. Uh, you know, I think right now we're going to be fluid, but once a week and, and then lock in a day and, and get some consistency going and look forward to the season. And again, just really excited to have Scout and 24-7 Sports under the same umbrella uh, with all the talented guys that you guys have, especially in the Big Ten market. I mean, your, your guys' Michigan side is, is off the charts and uh, I know your Illinois site's really good and your Michigan State site and, and up there in Minnesota uh, to, to name a few. And then we obviously have some outstanding uh, sites. Uh, I didn't mention Bill Green at your Ohio State site. He's a true insider. And then we have a fantastic Ohio State site at Bucknuts. Our Penn State site is is the leader in the industry, in my opinion. And, and uh, our Michigan site can go toe-to-toe with anybody. We're good at Michigan State and uh, Wisconsin. Uh, Evan Flood works as hard as anybody I'm around. So we'll have these guys on the show. We'll have on coaches from the Big Ten and uh, assistant coaches from the Big Ten. And, hell, anyone we want, Alan. But it, it's a pleasure. appreciate you guys listening, and, and take care, and we'll see you on the next one. Absolutely. Big Ten media kickoff is this weekend. I'll be there. Steve will be at Ohio State Friday Night Lights. I'll be at Minnesota next week. So we'll have lots to talk about on next week's episode. So thanks for listening. Keep it locked into 24-7 Sports and Scout for all your college football and recruiting needs as well.